0: Welcome to the Michael Slate Show. That's right, decisions. Today's show is going to be all about all kinds of decisions, decisions that kept me awake at night. Therefore, I'll make sure that I won't be too tired now. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that doesn't fit anything. That shows see how tired I am. Anyway, yes, we have a, a packed show for you tonight, and I think it's going to be very, very good. And um, at the back end of the show, of today's show, we're going to be talking with David Zeiger, Now, Dave is a filmmaker, as many of you know, he's a writer and producer, and he made the documentary Sir, No, Sir, among other things. That's one of his works that's really one of my favorite pieces, which is uh, the only full-length film chronicling the extensive anti-war and resistance uh, activity of the U.S. troops during the Vietnam War. And we're going to be talking to him about the U.S. military and what what it does and why nobody who says they are for justice and humanity should ever thank them for their service. And if you are thanking them, run. Run as fast as you can into a river and don't come back, okay? And opening the show up, we're going to be talking about one of the most important questions of our time, the right of a woman to get an abortion, to control her own body. That's right, the right of a woman to control her own body. Imagine, just just having to say that phrase is just, uh, just incredible. Anyway, on December 1st, the U.S. Supreme Court held... Oral arguments in a case that would restrict the right of abortion to the first 15 weeks of pregnancy. It became clear that the fascist majority has totally abandoned the question of the right of privacy, upon which the right to abortion was decided in Roe v. Wade almost 50 years ago. And not only the question of privacy, the equality and dignity and well being of women was completely ignored. None of this is surprising. It was foreshadowed on September 1st, when an anti-women, anti-abortion law was allowed to go into effect in Texas by the same fascist judges. And since then, there's been very little resistance. All right. Here to talk with us about all of this is Coco Das. A, actually, I'm always, I'm always pleased to talk with her. She always comes up and leaves us with a lot of knowledge, a lot of stuff that we need to know. So it's Coco Das. She's a contributor to Refuse Fascism. Coco, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Michael. Thanks. Good to be
0: here. Yeah. All right, start talking, okay? (laughs) We've got a lot to talk about. You know, one of the things that, um, like I said, it's been a while since you you were on the show before. I wanted to tell you, uh, I wanted you to tell our listeners what Refuse Fascism is first, okay? I think that's important for people to know what we're talking about, what we're standing on here.
1: Yeah, well, Refuse Fascism started um, shortly after the 2016 election when. Trump and Pence were elected to the White House. And, um, you know, with the recognition that this posed uh, an actual leap in this fascist movement that has been decades in the making, and our mission um, was to drive out the regime, recognizing that this posed a catastrophic danger, not just to people in this country, but to all of humanity. Um, If you think about a a fascist regime, a blatant open dictatorship that relies on terror and violence um, in the most powerful country in the world with an unhinged uh, lunatic uh, with his finger on the nuclear trigger. Um, So our mission for four years was to um, organize sustained nonviolent protests. Everyone who recognized the danger of this regime to come together in the streets and demand uh, an end to the regime um, with sustained nonviolent protests in the way that people have done all over the world to drive out hated regimes and to declare to the world in the name of humanity, we refuse to accept a fascist America. Now, obviously, Trump and Pence are not in power right now, but this fascist movement is not going away. It's not slowing down. In fact, it's accelerating. Um, And right now we are, uh, you know, doing a lot of networking and education. Uh, We have a podcast every week where we speak to all of the major thinkers who are analyzing this moment and really trying to come to a clear understanding of the danger we face and how to stop it. Um, So that's uh, sort
0: of in a nutshell, what refused fascism is. Yeah, well, let me let me let's, let's see if we can dig it a little bit more into that because you know, look, we're going to spend most of the time talking about the assault on abortion rights, and this is extremely important. And it's one it's a, it's an assault, you know, that a lot of people just pay enough attention to. In fact, there's even some people who are sort of saying, "Well, it's a little overplayed these days, isn't it?" You know, I heard somebody tell me that the other night, and I you, wow. you just wanted to go up and hit him over the head with a bucket, you know, it's just like. What the hell's the matter with you? You know, but you think about this, you know, this is a life and death question for millions of women. Life and death for millions of women. So, give people a lesson of where do we stand right now? What are where are things going? This is sort of the, you know, one of the it's one of the major things in terms of the 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 you know, the the oppression of women being stopped, being fought in terms of the entire society. You know, in terms of the everything, I mean, it's 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 not something you can't just say. Well, it's about women, so let's go move on and do something else. This is actually something that's very central to the entire society. So let's talk about that.
1: Well, you know, uh, the, our another member of our editorial board, Sam Goldman, and the host of the podcast um, has said. You know, before there was January sixth, before there was Charlottesville, there were these anti-abortion. Uh, People murdering doctors, bombing clinics, the violence of this movement um, has been has gone back decades and is part very very much a, a major part of how Trump and Pence came to power. This this base um, of people who were willing to murder abortion doctors were a, a main organizing base. Um, around the Trump-Pence regime. So it really is important to see it as part of this American, 21st century American fascist movement, um, of which the oppression of women, you know, these reinstating of traditional patriarchal oppressive values is a key cornerstone. You know, Trump was the pussy grabber-in-chief. Pence put a woman in in jail for having a miscarriage in Indiana. Um, So, you know, putting women in their so-called place, keeping women in their place, and this, this absolute all-out revenge against you know, uppity women, against liberated women, is part of this movement. And right now the situation is not good. There's been concession after concession after concession, and right now people are being primed to accept the end of Roe v. Wade with all that means for the lives of millions of women Um, It really is a life and death situation Mm -hmm. and that there are not millions of people in the streets that the, you know, all the people who wore their pussy hats in 2017, January, that they're not flooding the streets. And everybody Mm who really does not want to see a world where women are slammed back into the days of back alley abortions and um, forced motherhood, that everybody is not crying bloody hell right now. Um, and raising uh, their voices together in the streets Um, it really is a time right now because actually all is not lost um, between now and the time when they might come down with their decision which I think is uh, spring or uh, maybe as late as June or July you have months to organize really um, determined protest and the, the court does respond to, and they actually do fear an uprising of, of the people. Um, so I guess, the, you know, in short, we're in a dire situation, but there's much too much conceding in advance, in advance and sort of accepting a defeat and not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. And that needs to really urgently change.
0: Yeah, that, absolutely. And, and we'll continue along that line for a minute. I think it's you know because the Casey decision in 1992 opened the door for a flood of restrictions on abortion access, which had the, uh, had the effect of forcing many, many people into motherhood. You know, the right to abortion has been eroded steadily since then, but it's taken a leap when the fascist Trump became president. Now, let's talk about what's happened in the past five years, because this is this is sort of something that people don't really recognize. And it's one thing for them to say, you know, well, I'm not, it, don't bother me with it. I don't, I'm, I'm I'm cool. I know what I'm doing, all this other stuff. But actually, what's really going on is this whole assault on the right of women to be living human beings, partaking of all the things in society, you know, all of this. It's a, it's a push to the back end and to be useful to men when they need them. You know, let's talk about this a little bit. It's a very... It's really something that people have to wake up and and think about and do something about because it's not acceptable.
1: Well, you know, one of the major things that happened over the last five years is that the norms and the rule of law just continually kept getting degraded and getting thrown out. And you had one side, you had the Democrats, you know, playing by the rules that the Trump Pence regime was tearing up. Um, They... Uh, Trump was able to appoint a record number of federal judges. They stole a Supreme Court seat from um, Obama and then really stole another one from Biden. Um, Just this complete shredding of the norms, the rule of law, and, you know, all this is of a piece of enforcing the kind of society that they want to bring into being, you know, which is a society where, you know, if you're a white, Christian male, you dominate over everyone unchallenged, and, you know, there are so many assaults happening at one time, um, but if you look at it as the kind of, what is their end goal, what are they trying to bring about, and how are they succeeding, I think that's, that should actually really put a fire under people and really alarm people as to, you know, how much time we really have to change this trajectory um, but you know even with Trump and Pence out of power look at how much they are achieving just by throwing out the rule of law this SB 8 actually is illegal it, it goes against the constitutional right to an abortion um, it deputizes people to harass and, and terrorize women and anyone who helps them to get an abortion. It's a complete shredding of the rule of law. Um, And if we don't actually step outside of the normal channels, elections are not going to fix this. Elections alone are not going to fix this because they've also got that in the bag, you know, through the voter suppression, uh, through gerrymandering, they're actually, and through the big lie that Trump won the election. So they're really on an all-out assault on many, many fronts to um, bring about this nightmare society, this nightmare for humanity. And people need to wake up to this. We need to wake up to actually what's happening right in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm.
0: You're listening to The Michael Slate Show, and we're talking today with, it's, you know, it's just an incredible. I keep thinking about this. Coco Das, we're talking with her about the horror that's been pushed down on women for the, basically for the very fact that they are women and the kind of society that we live in. And everybody knows where the position of women is in this society. Hmm. You know, one of the things I wanted to say, and it's not acceptable. You know, look, folks, it's not acceptable for anybody to sit back and say, well, we'll take care of it. You know, we'll take care of it. You know, it's sort of like what, you know, Coco Das is making this argument, but there's a lot of people that actually sit back and say "Still, do, they still do Sort of look at it as like these are, they'll, they'll, it'll pass. And I thought, Coco, one of the things that you 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 brought up was actually was very important. You know, you think you talk about the, you know, your your thoughts on the oral argument on um, this Wednesday, um, December first at the Supreme Court. You made a, you made a, some really good points on that. And I wanted to ask you your thoughts around that.
1: You know, if you look at what these six justices, these six anti-abortion justices, three of which were appointed by Trump, the kinds of things that they were saying, the kinds of questions they were asking, it really was a complete um, disregard for the humanity of women. Um, You know, why can't uh, a woman who doesn't want to be pregnant just, uh, you know, let her uh, give up her baby for adoption? Because there are safe haven laws for that, that's what Amy Coney Barrett said. Um, Kavanaugh and Alito talking about the interests of the fetus. The fetus does not have interest. Santara Taylor pointed this out on Twitter. The fetus does not have interest. The fetus is not a human being. It's not a person um, with a you know fully functioning, beating heart. The woman is the person. Um, and, you know, Kavanaugh even said, oh, this is so difficult because we can't accommodate both the interests of the fetus and the interests of the woman. No, you know, that's not difficult. It's easy. The woman is the person who is a full-fledged human being, and you can really see how, with their questions, with their arguments, they don't actually see women as full human beings. They don't think that women have the right to bodily autonomy. So what does that make women? It makes them the property of the state. It makes them the property of the church, of men. You know, if you cannot control the fundamental right, the, the, the fundamental, um, you know, reproductive capacity that you have, then your body does not belong to you. It belongs to the state. It belongs to someone else. So, um, you know, the Revcoms and, and Refuse Fascism also stands by this, that forced motherhood is female enslavement. Um, there's nothing else to call it. So what you had in these oral arguments was, you know, six justices who really were showing that they don't consider women full human beings. You know, Kavanaugh also said maybe the court should be neutral on this, which is such BS. You know, to say that the court will be neutral by not taking a stand on abortion means that abortion will be illegal in twenty states. It's not a neutral statement at all. You know, they also said that. Um, the Constitution doesn't say anything about abortion. Doesn't say anything about bodily autonomy, and you know, the one of the lawyers said, "Well, the the Constitution guarantees liberty, and you cannot be a liberated, free person if you don't have the right to control your own reproduction." And that's very true. Um, so I think that we really need to pay attention to what these justices were saying, and uh, you know, not. Say okay, well, Roe is gone. There's nothing we can do. This is the time, actually, to escalate the fight. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, one of the things I wanted to ask you about too, which is because you know, this is, if you have any sense of the reality of the system that's running things in the, in the entire world right now, you know, and you look at where where women are being pushed to in in, in, in the bottom of society and and all of this, and and you know. It's not just a, you know, somebody was saying to me, well, it's not that much different. Come on, you know, it's been happening for a long time. Well, actually there's been a there's been a a a leap here in terms of the the position of women in society. And I wanted to ask you this because it's it's sort of um although I can't remember whether I just said that I'm talking to Coco Das, <laughs> who's from the who is from Boy, I just lost it. No, I actually wanted to ask you now you're 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 basically working with let me see. Uh, re- refuse fascism, right? That's the main thing, right? Yeah. Main group, yes, okay. um, sorry, I lost my little speed book there mm-hmm. anyway, um, one of the things that i was I was looking at as i as I thought of this and I think you're really you were really you're very powerful when you put this out, even as though you were, the stuff you were just saying, you know, your thoughts on the I want to talk about the thoughts on the oral arguments on Wednesday, December first, but also, I wanted to bring up the uh, the talk that Alito one of the one of the fascists gave in Notre Dame about the September 1st decision to allow the Texas uh, anti-women law to go into effect. And Alito was in, in full Nazi mode um, attacking the press for telling the truth about the, the, shadow, about the shadow docket, you know, t- lying and saying that they had not muffled Roe v. Wade, that it was all just, it was all very aggressive and, and, and really out of character for the Supreme Court justice to talk about an issue that is ongoing like this. What's your take on this incident? Because it really seems to be something that was happening here, right? That was something that was really, really intensely important, I think, for people to know about even.
1: I think, you know, what's represented there is how, um, you know, on the one hand, these justices have been unleashed to actually um, really go after their agenda where, you know, in the past there were some constraints, you know, especially by not having a majority, an uh, anti-abortion majority on the, on the court. Um, and now they are able to actually sort of join in with the movement that they're a part of and actually go on the offensive and go on the attack, you know, attack who, who attacked the press the most, you know, in, in the last five years, it was Trump and, you know, sort of this, this boldness, this audacity that has seeped into everything because they, um, seized the offensive, um, I don't, I'm not a legal expert, so I don't know a lot about shadow dockets and stuff, but absolutely the SB 8 violates Roe v. Wade. It should have been stopped. I don't think that is a controversial point. It's not, you know, hard to come to that decision. There's a law in the books, Roe v. Wade, that, um, you know, guarantees or allows legal abortion up to the point of viability, and SB 8, you know, does not give women anywhere near the amount of time that they need to actually get an abortion. Um, So, you know, I think, I guess that's my, my take on it. I think there's, there's a boldness and an uh, audacity on their part, but there, there is actually also um, a, a, a concern over the legitimacy and the, the, um, Uh, you know, the court not being seen as a partisan body, uh, which is, you know, a strange thing also, but which I think is something that gives us an opening that actually we should, um, you know, use that as a way to challenge what they're doing. Yeah. I
0: mean, and it it is, I mean, there's a lot to to pay attention to in this because I think think what you're saying is extremely important. I also think the people should take, it should take into full account This whole point about uh, a Nazi mode going on and attacking the press for telling the truth about the shadow docket and lying and saying they had not uh, mollified the uh, Roe v. Wade that all this you know it was all very aggressive as we're saying and and yet you know people need to have not yet gotten to the point where they actually understand that this is this is an all-out assault. By by the system that's going on, by the by the thing that we live under that 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 has happened here, right? And I wanted to talk, to, you know, from that. That's just something as you were talking. I just wanted to really kind of re-emphasize that because it's something that too many times just gets sort of like, well, it's happening to women that floats by, and it's not going to be that bad. Come on, you know. And you look at what's going on and how this stuff around the fascists and their and their role. It's actually it's a very important thing, and it's something that's developing very very fast in terms of not just the the the, the assault on women, but where that leads to in terms of the rest of the society as well. And and there's a thing here that I I, I thought as I was thinking about this, that there were some, you know, it's important for people to know that it's not like all, it's all the fascists acting up and nobody else is doing anything, that there actually were some protests at the Supreme Court. And that's very important. So let's talk a little about who was there, what was happening, why was it important?
1: Yeah, so I think it is, you know, at least is sort of somewhat positive that there was some real contention in front of the Supreme Court on Wednesday. There were um, different forces out there. Women's March called people, NARAL. Um, the Revcoms and Refuse Fascism went um, down there to, uh, you know, talk about unleashing the, the fury of women as a mighty force for revolution. And, you know, where where does this actually come from? How is this rooted into the system of capitalism, imperialism that we live under? And Refuse Fascism was bringing a different message that, um, uh, you know, forced motherhood is female enslavement and abortion on demand without apology. In the name of humanity, we refuse to accept a fascist America. Um, So there were uh, many different, you know, I don't know, actually, I'm going to be interviewing someone later about how many people were out there, who was out there exactly. But you did see some sort of contention, some sort of fight, and was not dominated by the, you know, Christian fascists, which, you know, during the um, hearing, the confirmation hearing of Amy Coney Barrett, which was a complete, total injustice, who was out there, there were very few people out there fighting for the rights of women, Um, you know, some people from Refuse Fascism and the Revcoms were there, maybe some other people, but Um, It was very much dominated, the streets were dominated by these Christian fascists who really believe that women should be subordinate (laughs) to their husbands, you know, that they should be handmaids to this patriarchal society. So, you know, I do think that it's important that people were out there, but I think this needs to grow. And... You know, one thing is that there's a lot made out of this fact I see it on Twitter all the time that eight out of ten people um, support Roe v Wade but this is actually meaningless if you're not going to back it up because you know the history of fascism shows us that whoever dominates the public square whether it's by you know violence and terror or by you know co-opting protest and who dominates the public discourse that goes a long way in determining actually whether fascism prevails or not seeding the worst thing we can do is seed the public discourse and seed the public square um, to these people who are uh, bringing into being a, a very dangerous nightmare situation for women for you know nonbinary people you know anything that challenges the patriarchal structure. Um, it's, and it's woven through with white supremacy um, and xenophobia. So you know, it's a it's a really dangerous situation that all millions of people need to unite around stopping.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, absolutely. You know, and and some of the things that get that still, you know, even even listening to you say it and, and and making making the point that we we have started to talk about this, but there actually is this thing of, you know, look, this whole point of. You know, you've repeatedly made this, as, as, as we've said before, and it's, it's, you know, there's a whole point, though, of, you know, denying women basic human rights is an aspect of a fascist form of rule. This is something that people, you know, fascism is something that everybody can talk about, oh, man, it's a fascist here, or they, or they, and it goes everywhere from, you know, somebody saying, oh, he's a fascist, sort of, you know, drawing it out very easily and not meaning anything. But then today, there's a lot more people beginning to, beginning to understand fascism has a reality in the society, in the, in, the, in the world. And one of the things, one of the first places that, that, that has been hit with this has been the, the actual rights of women to be human. And I think it's really, really, really important. And you've, you've, you've repeatedly made the point that denying women basic human rights is an act of fascism. It's a, fact of, it's a fascist form of rule. And so I do want to talk a little bit about that, this fascist form of rule and what's happening here. And because it's too many people can sit back and say, well, you know, that's a little, you're sort of going a little overboard, aren't you? This is a reality. I mean, when you think about this, how women are treated, what's going on, what it says about a woman's, the the fact that a woman is a human being and a damn important human being, and you better pay attention to this. And it's, you know, this is not something that should be allowed to just, you know, swim by. And then eventually, you know, later, five years later, everybody's going well wait a minute how did that happen I think it's important what you're doing what other people are doing is standing up and saying look this is this is yes a just a horrible offense and in the attack on women but it also has something to do overall with the the kind of world we're going to live in and what that's going to mean so can we talk about that a little
1: you know I think it's important to understand the fascism behind it because this isn't just a pendulum swing this is something that refused fascism' was- was talking about since its founding. This is not just the worst of a pendulum swing. Fascism is actually a um, an all-out assault on democratic rights and the rule of law. It's a whole different way that society and government are ruled, uh, where you know fascist mobs, uh, through threats of violence, actually enforce. Uh, it, you know, further enforce the, the fascist program. Um, you know, the state power is used to enforce the fascist program. This isn't something that's just a pendulum swing that elections, you know, that we can actually, you know, reverse just by winning elections. Because they've got, you know, as I said, they, they've got that figured out too. Um, this is a movement that actually uh, is very serious is very serious about consolidating power and maintaining power, holding on to power uh, for generations to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, if you have an understanding of that, then it actually forces you to give up some of the delusions that are really holding people back right now that, you know, this is going to be handled through some kind of blue wave. You know, Biden. And the Democrats have the majority right now, but Mm -hmm. they, you know, are they passing legislation to, uh, you know, make sure abortion is a guaranteed right? Are they, uh, you know, killing the filibuster? Are they um, calling people out into the streets? They are not putting up the fight and they're not going to because their concern is the stability of the system that is actually, um, you know, requires right now unity with these fascists. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's just very important, and there's a lot to get into, and there's a lot to understand. I really recommend people go to refusefascism dot org, um, you know, look at the the links that we have there, and then also listen to the podcast, the Refuse Fascism podcast. Subscribe every week. We're talking to people about um, how what what really uh, encapsulates this dangerous situation that we're in, and what do we do about it? And, and those kinds of conversations are very important. Because right now the most important thing is for people to confront what
0: this is. Well, tell me this, and and this is this is going to have, have to be our uh, wrap up for for this show for foot, but you know basically for this section of the show. But I want to actually have you on it so, again sometime in the near future because this is a, an incredibly important you know thing that we're talking about here and what it what it's good what it's going to do to you know. What happens? What's what what goes on in the in the society at large? But what happens to humanity? And I think it's extremely important to deal with this. But I wanted to ask you this: so, you know, basically one last thing. I know we've been talking about t- the taking to the streets, but can you talk about why people need to protest this? Not just sort of taking to the streets, but why they need to protest this, and and also how do we how do we mobilize a beautiful uprising for abortion rights?
1: You know, it's really a, a lie that protest does not do any good. Um, that the actual power is through these electoral channels or these you know, institutional channels. Look at what the beautiful rising um, after the murder of George Floyd accomplished. It, it changed the whole conversation about race and white supremacy in this country. And all over the world, there are examples of what sustained nonviolent protests can do. In India, um, a year of farmers protesting forced their prime minister, who is a fascist, um, not does not easily cower forced him to rescind um, the farm laws that were going to ruin these these people's lives. A year of protest created such a crisis that he was they forced his hand in mexico um, in uh, all, uh, um, Argentina. women took to the streets and not only women but you know people took to the streets and uh, launched a huge massive Fierce resistance, and this led to um, an abortion law being changed in Mexico recently. Look at how Roe v. Wade itself was won on the heels of the uprisings of the 60s, the upheaval of the 60s. Um, Protest at this moment is extremely important, and all over the world we see that uh, it can change the whole political landscape. It can change the whole um, the whole balance of how the, you know, ruling powers have to resolve this crisis. So, um, you know, whatever we have to do, we need to figure out how to come together, unite everyone who can be united and really, you know, bring together a a beautiful nonviolent sustained, um, rising that, you know, not only stops these assaults on abortion, but actually says, no, we refuse to accept a fascist America.
0: Absolutely. And I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, Great. definitely. And we'll talk again soon. So, so stay there and, you know, we'll get we'll get in touch with you again as soon as if something comes up, call me. OK, <laughs> sounds good. All right. Take care now. All right, thanks. Bye. You're listening to the Michael Slate Show. And it's just, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about this the, the kind of stuff that we have to go through, that people have to go through today, and especially women and everybody else. And I, I didn't want people to forget this thing. This is Coco Das. And, you know, she's made a tremendous bang on the door right now. And we need to continue this. And uh, basically, at the same time, we need to continue this show, all right? And it's... Um, Right now, this is The Michael Slate Show, and I'm Michael Slate, in case you didn't guess that. I've been speaking with, with Coco Das of Refuse Fascism on the right to, to, to abortion, the danger of fascism, and taking to the streets. We're going to take a quick musical break and be right back to talk with Dave Ziger. And we'll talk about who David Zeiger is. If you don't know, we'll talk about that in a minute. So take, take a break and be right back. been really happy with this last discussion and I think I'm going to be happy with this other one although I know this person straight up all right he's sitting over there and he walks in he says where's all the things that where's the meat where's the where's the stuff that what what how you expecting David Zeiger what the hell you doing here man I don't know (laughs) (laughs) yes you do yes you do all right and you know I have one of these problems with my glasses where they start to fog up and then I start talking to the wall okay Mm -hmm. but I want to begin talking with you um, about a quotation And you should tell people who you are. Actually, that's one thing for people who don't know.
2: (laughs) I'm David Zeiger. I am a documentary filmmaker um, and a photographer. Um, I made the film Sir No Sir that tells the story of the widespread uprising inside the American military against the war in Vietnam during that war and that uh, involved thousands of GIs, thousands of soldiers in all branches of the military, and played a very important role in uh, ending that war, in fact, in uh, the defeat of the United States in, in Vietnam.
0: You know, and there's something about, I mean, I know I worked with you so, a little bit on this uh, when you were actually doing Sir No Sir, you know, as mm-hmm. a and, and I thought this was actually, it was really interesting to me because you not only were in the midst of a lot of that, of what, what happened, but you also brought... With you, in that in in, the, in that in that whole campaign that you did, and all the stuff that you that you worked on, Sir No Sir, the, the film Sir No Sir, what you did was something really important for people to see, to see, basically what had, what was going on, what had happened, and how does it apply to a certain sense when people you have kids that are like. 15, 16 years old, and they're just saying this, or 17 or 18 years old, mm-hmm. or whatever, and they're just seeing this, and they never had, the, because this, they've never had the this, this, this sense of what what had happened in the 60s and why, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it was something that you brought that was very, very important, and you continue to bring, and I thought it was, it's important because of the idea of, of people who don't know any of this mm-hmm. don't know the history, but they also don't know what's possible and necessary.
2: So. Right, and, and, and that's, that's very important because... The story of the GI movement—it's not just a story that uh, people don't know. It's a story that there's a reason people don't know, and that's because it's been suppressed uh, and replaced by the whole mythology of the anti-war movement, attacking veterans, spitting on them, et cetera. That—that um, that was started by the kind of the extreme right. The early fascists in this country and has spread and become mainstream has become the, the general view so understanding what actually happened it's like understanding slavery it's like it's like you know how much the reality of slavery has been uh papered over you know and suppressed really it's the same thing with the Vietnam War and the same thing particularly with the, the uh, anti-war movement inside the military. It's, it, it's, it, it was kind of a touchstone of revisionism about the war that, that started in the late 70s and accelerated during the Reagan administration and then became mainstream in the 90s and the 2000s to kind of depict this as a noble cause uh, that the soldiers fought bravely in and and overall supported and were then spat on and called baby killers by the anti-war movement. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot there that has to be un, unpacked. And when the film came out, by the way, what made it possible to make the film was the Iraq war, was the fact that American soldiers were once again engaged in an imperial uh, attack on another country and this film, actually, this story, played a very important role in opening the eyes of a lot of uh, the of the military people, a lot of soldiers during that war uh, about what was happening and why they were being why they were fighting a war that was against the civilian population of Iraq. and it it helped form uh, opposition to that war itself. So, yeah, generation, generation generation. No, people are not taught this in schools. People are not taught this in in the general education, and and that's something that's being, uh, by the way, a lot of the people, myself included, who have been telling the story of the GI movement over and over again for for, de- for the last decade. Uh, have been making big efforts to bring that reality into university education into to the you know the, how vietnam and how the 1960s and generally how american society is is taught
0: mm-hmm. so, you know one of the things as I'm, as i'm listening to you i'm also thinking about the somewhat you started to, to, to hit on but it's actually the, again this point about you know the country this country is not carrying out an honorable service Right. You know, and if you think if you th- think, think you are, and you're actually looking at it as like, you know, look, I I had relatives that went into the military. I had people where I grew up that went into, into the military. Their kids went into the military later. You know, but they all thought that they were going in, one for a job, but two because they were do- it was a, doing a, a job that, that meant something to people. Right. It meant something to the right. society. And when you look at this, you know, it's sort of this this whole question of it's it's basically what's the reality here? And people don't get this, that it's the same thing around the world that they, 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 they are doing the same thing around the world that they've done here on a massive scale. And the police are doing here, you're carrying out cowardly, you know, carrying out cowardly killing and terrorizing people in the service of the biggest oppressors in the world, you know, the, 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 the this country. And it's a, it's something that actually, actually in a way is hooked into the whole idea of the militarization of the, po- of the population, especially of uh, now even you know younger women and mm-hmm. you know and the the men that were being put into this and what you're being sent to do and what you're being sent you know because i know a lot of the stuff that you've talked about is that the horrors of the stuff that people you know could tell you about what they what they were forced to do right you know and it's something that people right now we don't we don't even consider it. a lot of people i mean so you and i do other people do that are think, that are that are out there digging around on this but there's a reality that a lot of people they look at the military as a way to survive. They look at the military as decent, you know, decent work and all this other kind of stuff. And it's 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 horrifying when you think about where that what comes off of that.
2: Yeah, I, I mean the, the the view of military service as an honorable um, activity, an honorable profession, really. I mean that's all that's you know that that, that existed before the Vietnam War, and that's what broke down during the Vietnam War because of the reality of what that war was. And this was kind of an well, there was Korea before, but Vietnam was, was a, a big point of the beginnings in a bigger way of the United States as an imperial power in the twenty in the latter half of the 20th century and into the 21st. I mean, it was kind of the beginning of, of not the beginning, but a, a big step in imperialism in this country. And what people found out, what people realized you know, when they went there, I'll just give you one example. The, the, the strategy of the Vietnam War, which was developed by McNamara, who was kind of uh, Lyndon Johnson's main guy. The strategy was, okay, we're fighting a war against a country where they don't have the weapons. What they have is the people. What they have is people who can, can be uh, guerrillas, can fight against us. So in order to deprive them of their ability to fight the war, we have to get rid of the people. It was an open strategy to kill as many people as possible. I mean, you kill people in war generally, but in this case, this is the textbook definition of genocide. The way we win the war is we kill so many people that they can't fight against us. And that was the strategy, and that's what the soldiers saw and, and rebelled against in a very big way. And and the, the the view of American military power around the world as being honorable requires people not to know about that. It literally requires people to be ignorant of what actually happened, and to buy into this idea that veterans are you know are people who were de- degraded and 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 spat on by the anti-war movement. And that was a terrible thing, and it made it—it's it, a huge taint on the '60s. And therefore, uh, every—you know—in every war, we have to make sure we thank the veterans. We—we—it's—you know—we—we we honor the veterans, which is a subterfuge for honoring the wars. There's—you just can't get around that. It—it—it—it it, it, it undercuts a real look at what these wars are.
0: It's a Trojan horse. I mean, that's—that's yeah. that's the whole thing. It's like—and you look at this. I mean, even the—even even the you, know, you think about this. Look, this thing that you're saying, "that thank you for your service," and you know, basically, you know, we've all heard this in some way or another out there. And you know, when you're talking to people about thank you for keeping us safe, you know, I keep thinking, "Sir, no sir," is a really good antidote for this, for all this BS. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think it's you know it's imperative that you actually. And and I know that you know what you went through to 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 make that that film. It was a, it was a very you know just everything you put into it. And the fact that it did have a difference at a time when when, in the time that it came out and it needs to have that kind of difference today again, I think, because there's too many people who have been just swept under. Right. You know, and their idea of even, you know, people I'm just going on to get get my look, I'm going to go. They're going to give me a job. They're going to get all Mm -hmm. that stuff that we've heard before. But it gets even worse when you're talking about what's already happened in the society and, and as a result of this system and this state and it's and it's military. This has been something that's that's horrendous and it's done all the stuff that you're talking about around the world and we need to find a way to actually bring this to people and i'd, I'd ask you because you spent some time you re, and i know you were you you recently did a, a, a an appearance somewhere where you actually were were speaking about this kind of question you know in a certain sense and, and it's
2: important that people people don't hear it anymore right so we would I, i'd like i'd like to hear you like where the hell are we going to go david <laughs> The importance of this and and of, of my film, et cetera, is is that it is the soldiers and veterans themselves who are attacking and opposing the war because of what they what they've been forced to do. Um, that run, and that just has to be repeated over and over again. And as I said, um, I'm, I'm, well, actually, there's been a resurgence in in this past year of both my film and the film FTA, which is the film that chronicles Jane Fonda and Donald Sutherland's. Anti-war uh, variety show that they toured milita- well outside of military bases all around the world. It's an excellent film. Both of our films were just recently put up on Netflix for the first time, uh, streaming. And, and 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 there's been a there there is you know a resurgence of interest. And unfortunately, it's it's it, it's in the it, it will be in the context of another war, of another you know uh, uh, outrageous. Assault on people in, in another part of the world that this issue will then hit, kind of hit the fore again. Mm-hmm. You know, all
0: right, we're getting a sign that we got to wrap it up, but oh, I want to tell you very, very quickly tell people where they can get the material, the things that you've written about, the things that you've made, that the films that you've made, just give them a sense of where they can find that out so they can okay. see it themselves. It's important,
2: sir. No, sir, and, and my other pro other films are all on displacedfilms.com www.displacedfilms.com. Uh, Sir No Sir is also streaming on Netflix. Very easy to see, um, and uh, so is so is FTA, and that's it. Yep. yep. And I got every one of them because I just sat down and watch them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up, David. But I want to thank you very much for joining us today, and we're gonna have to have you back again because I think this is gonna be something that goes on and on and on. Besides our guy in the booth over there saying, "Wrap it up, <laughs> we got we to do it." So, uh, but before, and this is to, we're we're moving it up to. Basically, moving it up means we're moving towards the end of the show. And uh, before we go out, I want to play a clip from Sansara Taylor, who's a writer for RevCom.us and a co-host of the Revolution Nothing Less show on your YouTube. Now, this is Sansara Taylor on the right to abortion. It's something that's extremely important these days. And so listen up, and we'll be right back.
3: Before closing out today's show... I wanna take a few minutes to talk about the emergency facing abortion rights in this country. Yesterday, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments over a Mississippi state law that bans all abortions after 15 weeks into pregnancy. This law is in direct violation of the landmark Roe v. Wade decision that established the right to abortion nationwide in 1973. The very fact that the Supreme Court agreed to hear this case is an indication that they are willing to overturn Roe v. Wade, or at least radically undercut it. And thanks to Donald Trump's three fascist nominees to the court, they have the votes to do this. Now, what is immediately at stake in this case is whether women will be forced by the state to have children against their will, enslaved in this way to the dictates of a patriarchal woman-hating society. This fight, which has been escalating for decades, is coming to a head, and nearly every commentator who listened to the arguments yesterday, and I felt this as well, said it's clear that the court is leaning towards gutting this right. If the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, immediately abortion bans in 20 states will go into effect. Millions and millions of women will immediately lose access to abortion. Women will be forced to quit school, to stay with abusers, to spiral into poverty, to foreclose their dreams, and many even lose their lives because the state will see them as less important, less human, less worthy of rights and protections than a fetus that is growing inside of them. And this terror and threat of forced motherhood, of being reduced to an incubator by the state, will hang over the lives of all women everywhere, Because the fanatical Christian fascist movement that has killed doctors, bombed clinics, terrorized women, packed the courts with fascist judges, and more, this movement is not going to rest with the patchwork of half the country with abortion rights and the other half without. They are going for the kill, and a win in this case will only accelerate their momentum. This must not be allowed. Women are not incubators. Women are full human beings. But in a real sense, as monumental as these stakes are, they are but one part of a larger confrontation that is brewing over the whole direction of this country and the future. We see this not only in this abortion rights emergency, but also in the horrific Rittenhouse verdict we talked about earlier that gives a green light to white supremacist violence. We see this in the coup attempt at the Capitol earlier this year. We see it in the environmental crisis and in many other ways. A declaration, a call to get organized now for a real revolution from the Revcoms put it this way. The crisis and deep divisions in society now can only be resolved through radical means of one kind or another, either radically reactionary murderously oppressive and destructive means, or radically emancipating revolutionary means. Yes, revolution. A system that puts the fundamental right of women to decide for themselves when and whether to have a child up for debate is a completely illegitimate system. This system, the system of capitalism imperialism, should not be allowed to rule over and determine the lives of the half of humanity that is born female, or anybody else for that matter. In contrast, the Constitution for the New Socialist Republic in North America, written by Bob Avakian, lays out a radically different framework for society that we can bring into being through a real revolution, a society where, among other things, the rights of women to determine their own reproductive lives will be guaranteed, And backing will be given to the struggle to completely dig up and overcome all forms of oppression, of women, of black people, of immigrants, and so much more. This, and nothing less than this, real revolution is what we must lift our sights to and work for now. And this is not some abstract, far-off idea. Precisely because of how extreme things are right now, it is possible that we could ripen and even win a revolution in this period if we confront this reality with open eyes if we get with the leadership that is being provided to seize on this by babavakian and if we get to work as babavakian has pointed to in his piece this is a rare time when revolution becomes possible why that is so and how to seize on this rare opportunity quote as the normal way society has been ruled is failing to hold things together and society is increasingly being ripped apart. This can shake people's belief that the way things have always been is the only way they can be. It can make people more open to questioning. In a real sense, it can force people to question the way things have been and whether they have to stay this way. And this is all the more likely to happen if the revolutionary forces are out among the people, shining a light on the deeper reality of what is happening and why, and bringing out that there is an alternative to living this way. This is what we need to get to work on now. Everybody watching this needs to get together with the Revcoms and grapple seriously with why only a revolution can bring about a positive resolution to this crisis. What this revolution involves and what kind of society it can bring into being. Work with us to aggressively tirelessly spread this revolution, let others know about it, and fight to organize them into it. And this includes struggling with people. Stop thinking that the only way you can affect things is trapped within the terms set by this system. And all these voices telling you to prepare for a post-Roe America, telling you the best you can do is vote to protect abortion rights in a few urban areas on the coast, and then pretend you're gonna be able to help All the other women travel there. Fascist enslavement is nothing to prepare for or accept. No, right now, people need to be struggled with, challenged and inspired to stand the up, to fill the streets like they did in Poland and Argentina and other parts of the world where abortion was being denied. And most of all, this fight needs to be taken up as part of building up the strength, the understanding, the courage, the determination, and the organization to make a real revolution. It needs to be part of fighting to repolarize society in a way more favorable for revolution so that this whole damn system can be defeated and lifted off the backs of humanity at the soonest possible time. The fight for abortion on demand and without apology must be waged. And it must be waged as part of the fight to break the chains and unleash the fury of women as a mighty force for revolution. This is going to take heart, but it is possible. And the alternative is unconscionable. So I want to close out this show today by echoing what Andy said earlier. On December 13th, a major new work from Bob Avakian is coming out. It's a big deal. It's providing crucial leadership and direction in this time of unprecedented danger and tremendous opportunity. Its title concentrates what he gets into. It's called, Something Terrible or Something Truly Emancipating. Profound crisis, deepening divisions, the looming possibility of civil war and the revolution that is urgently needed. A Necessary Foundation, A Basic Roadmap for This Revolution, by Bob Avakian, revolutionary leader, author of The New Communism. If there's any way you can possibly make it in person to the Revolution Club meetings being held on December 5th across the country where this talk will be previewed, do what it takes to get yourself there. And if you really can't make it in person, write to us and be part of online sessions digging into this talk that we're organizing soon. And definitely go to revcom.us on December 13th for this talk when it is published. And really go there regularly, including for further coverage of this fight for abortion and how it fits into the fight for the future on Monday morning.
0: All right, that brings us to the end of yet another show. And I want to thank my, all my guests today, David Zeiger and Coco Das. And I want to thank my assistant producer, Henry Carson, and engineer Wendell. Talk to you again next week. The sentence made a 20 i uh-huh.